What's up, everybody? My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports for Monday, October 16th. I, I know I always say I'm really excited for today's show, but this show in particular, my layout's really phenomenal. I'm really proud of it. We have a lot of good stuff to talk about. We're going to talk about Adrian Peterson. We'll talk about a lot of college football, some coaches moving. Um, and then we're going to jump into Aaron Rodgers right away. That's the first topic of the day. But I want to say this. It looks kind of like Ezekiel Elliott is going to be suspended for six games. That's, again, the Cowboys running back, Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, I, I obviously side with the NFL on this. I, I, I kind of strongly, I think they can do what they want. However, I'm going to hold off. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not ready to give a strong opinion on Ezekiel Elliott until I have more information. What I mean is, I want to get all the facts first. Before I give an opinion, I want to just make sure. So Wednesday, roughly Wednesday is when I'll say some more about Ezekiel Elliott. Until then, though, I'm, I'm holding off. I'm waiting. I'm, I want to hear more from them. The theme of today's show is quarterbacks. What have I said all year? You cannot win without a quarterback. Quarterbacks are necessary to winning in, in college football, in high school. Less in high school football, you can get away with having amazing athletes. But in college football, and especially in the NFL, you cannot win games without a quarterback. And you'll never win a Super Bowl without a competent, good quarterback. The biggest story from this weekend was Aaron Rodgers' injury. I, I was so... So disappointed. I had this amazing, amazing segment written about Aaron Rodgers. You know, we had, there was a, there was a, a writer last week that said, who's playing better? Alex Smith or, sorry, he didn't say who's playing better. He said, who is better? Aaron Rodgers or Alex Smith? And I was so ready to just, not, not even slam Alex Smith, but just really lift up Aaron Rodgers. And I think I said it pretty much perfectly last week when I said that without Aaron Rodgers, the Packers are a five-win team at best. You know, my best friend Nathan is a, he's a big car guy. He knows a lot about cars. He knows a ton about cars. And even I, I, I worked, I took a year and a half off of college, off of school. And I worked at a car place. And even though I know very little about cars, I know enough to know that without an engine, a car does not run. A quarterback is like the engine of a car. Your football team does not work without a quarterback. But here's the thing about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is a special engine. Aaron Rodgers is the kind of engine that no matter what kind of car you put him into, that car becomes a Ferrari. You can plug Aaron Rodgers into any football team in the NFL. Instantly, they're a Super Bowl contender. Because you know what? The thing about the Packers is the Packers are absolutely atrocious. The Packers are awful. I said last, I think two weeks ago or last week, I said that if Aaron Rodgers can make it to a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl, I will right then and there say, he is the best quarterback ever to play this game because he was carrying the Packers. People don't understand how much he has done for that organization and how much they rely on him. The Packers season is over. Again, I said it perfectly last week. Without Aaron Rodgers, they can't win five games. I heard this morning on First Things First, they said that the Packers need to win 10 games to make the playoffs. Right now, the Packers are four and two. That means they need to win six of their next 10 games. I don't think they could win six out of 15 games. I, I didn't mean to quote Nick Wright, but that's what he said. That's what I'm saying too. The Packers win maybe five games without Aaron Rodgers. So now you expect them to win six games out of the next 10? That is impossible. That, it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. My friend Mark really believes in Brett Hundley. He's very excited. He wants to see the former UCLA quarterback and Aaron Rodgers' longtime backup um, play of the position. It's nothing against Brett Hundley. 
I just think the Packers roster is awful. They haven't done anything in the offseason. They ha- they've, I think they're, what's that tight end from the Patriots? I can't remember his name. That's how irrelevant he is. That's their big free agent signing they've gotten the last couple of years. They don't draft, the Packers do not draft well. The Packers don't make any big moves in free agency. They just rely on Aaron Rodgers to make plays and win them games. The Packers season is over. Uh, tell your friends about the show. You know, what's a, Strong Opinion Sports is growing. It, it's really, really cool. The, the numbers are getting bigger and bigger, and it's really fun. You know, I, I keep getting more and more comments about people saying they like the show. So go subscribe, and you tell your friends about the show. If every person that listens to this podcast told one other person, we would exponentially grow. If, if every week you just told one person, this show would get exponentially bigger. I want to grow the audience. The reason this episode is, the theme of this episode is quarterbacks. And the reason for that is because of this. Again, I say all the time, you need a quarterback to win. This last weekend, there were two really big ups. I mean, there were a lot of big upsets, but the two that stick out to me, number two over uh, number two ranked Clemson lost to, uh, to Syracuse. Now, Syracuse in this game was an over 21-point underdog. Syracuse should have been wiped off the face of the earth. Clemson had every Right, the company should have won this game outright without it even being close. So Clemson got upset by Syracuse, and my favorite football team, the Washington State Cougars, got up upset by Cal. WSU lost to Cal, and it was heartbreaking. But you know what both of these losses, both Clemson's loss and Washington State's loss, have in common? Quarterbacks. You have to have a quarterback to win. In the Clemson game, we watched Kelly Bryant, who, who already had an injury going into the game. Kelly Bryant was clearly injured most of the first half, and then he got hurt and was done for the game. So quarterback play lost the game for Clemson. They had an injured quarterback, and then he got hurt, and then they had no quarterback. Now, Washington State's an interesting, uh, different kind of scenario. Luke Falk is historically the best quarterback ever to play at Washington State, as far as records. He's got every passing yards. He's got all the records in the Pac-12. He's like, he's like a Tom Brady of the Pac-12. Not really, but he is the, he, he leads every, he has every record set in the Pac-12. He's a big deal. You think he's going to show up every game. Luke Falk, the Washington State quarterback, simply did not show up to play. That, that's it. That's plain and simple. That is why Washington State lost. I've never seen him. I don't think he'll ever have a game like that again in his life. But for whatever reason, and, and I know I have some reasons why I'll list later, Luke Falk didn't show up to play. You have to have a quarterback to win in this league. In college football, you cannot win without a quarterback. So Clemson, Washington State, they both lost because they didn't have proper quarterback play. You know, I want to say this, though, about the the Clemson loss. I saw so much class. It was such a cool thing. If if you want, if you want to do some homework, go look up the interview with Clemson's coach, Dabo Sweeney. Dabo Sweeney is so classy. He says, credit to Syracuse. They beat us today. And I, I wanted to apply that. But then they, even better. So I thought that was classy and that was phenomenal. Even better than Dabo Sweeney's post-game interview was a Syracuse head coach in the locker room with his football team. He said, man, he said this. He said, credit to Clemson. They're a classy organization. We treat them with class, and, and I can't remember the rest. I really, I really wish I did. I wish I had it written down. But go look it up. What the, the Syracuse coach said 
after beating Clemson, the number two team in the nation was just powerful. It moved me. I was listening. I was like, man, that is so cool. That was the coolest thing I saw all weekend was that moment with the Syracuse head coach. The whole, not, not the little clip. There's like a minute clip. Go find the three minute clip. That is, you know, I'll put it in the link in the bio on YouTube and I'll, I'll try to find it and see if I can put it in SoundCloud's link. It's phenomenal. It's just really, really cool. A cool moment. And I, I do think Clemson's okay. Clemson lost a game last year and won the national championship. Clemson can lose a game and still win the ACC and still make it into the college football playoff and still win the national championship. They still have a chance. Their roster is far and away better than everybody else. The question with Clemson now is, does Clemson have a quarterback that can bring competent play every week? Is Kelly Bryant done? Is he going to come back? What? Their quarterback is a question mark. But if Clemson can come up with a quarterback, they're still a great team, and they can still make not only make the college football playoff, they can challenge Alabama just like they did last year. So Washington State, what the hell happened? I watched my favorite football team get absolutely annihilated by Cal. It was, dude, it was infuriating. Are you kidding me? What in the world was that? I believe the score was 37 to 10. I don't even remember. You know, I, I was so pissed. I don't even remember the score. I should have that in my notes, but I was infuriated. Two things. I want to, you know, actually, no, I want to start with, I, I am kind of mad. Why can we not punt? Washington State University all year has struggled to punt the football. It's like, dude, we, we had a one yard punt last week. A punt that went one yard past the line of scrimmage. Are you kidding me? I could walk onto the football team and punt better than our punter for WSU. I've been saying that joke all week, but it's absolutely true. We gave up field position. We gave up a touchdown because of bad punting. That is unacceptable. That cannot happen. Are you kidding me, guys? A, a bad punt gave up points and cost us momentum and possibly not a game it wasn't so much that it cost us a game but I've watched this a punting issue all year it's got to be solved are you kidding me get a guy in there that can punt I don't care if it's a receiver find a guy that can punt the football sorry I, I did not mean to go on a rant that long about punting but Jesus it drives me nuts it's like are you serious we can't figure this out here's why WSU lost I've said all year the biggest weakness of Washington State's football team is their receivers. They have mediocre, inexperienced receivers. Their offensive line isn't awful. In fact, this weekend against Cal, they had their pass protection was fantastic. On Friday night, Luke Falk was in the pocket for like up to six seconds. The guy had time forever. He could have he could have baked a ham back there. It's ridiculous. But the problem was receivers weren't getting open. And when they were open, for whatever reason, Luke Falk was off. But that, I remember saying a couple weeks ago, I said, the biggest problem with this football team is their wide receivers. They cannot beat people over the top. And that is what they did not do against Cal. That is why WSU lost the game. Among all kinds of other reasons. It wasn't the defense's fault. I know I disagree with Mike Leach, actually. Mike Leach said, our defense played terrible. Yeah, they weren't great. But when you don't give your defense a chance by you turn over the ball, you give them horrible field position, you keep letting the other team start in their own, in, in your territory. What I mean is they would start, Cal kept starting the, with the ball past the 50-yard line. You gave them amazing field position, no rest, because that's the one flaw with the offense is it's just bam, 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 it's over. 
and you get the ball back. So I don't think our defense played as bad as we think, and I think Luke Falk simply did not show up to play against Cal. Now, while I was heartbroken this weekend, I was super excited because University of Washington also lost, and that made the loss sting way, way less. I want to move on. Let's talk about Adrian Peterson. You ever have friends that, you know, that you watch them date, and you're like, oh, that's a bad match. That isn't going to work. I have friends who do that all the time. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And then they break up, and you're like, well, yeah, we kind of all saw that coming. We knew that wasn't going to work out. The relationships, there are better matches than others. Adrian Peterson was a bad match with the New Orleans Saints. I've said this all year, and I never understood why the Saints picked him up. They gave him $7 million to do almost absolutely nothing for their football team. You know, the Saints like, again, I've said this many times, the Saints like running backs that can catch the ball. They like running backs and get out of the backfield. Adrian Peterson is not that running back at all. So I was excited when he got traded to the Cardinals. I said, man, this could work out. This could be a much better match. This relationship could work. You know, Betty, Betty and Jake were a horrible match, but Betty and Dave, that's a good match. I think they work together. They're more compatible. Adrian Peterson was clearly more compatible with the Cardinals. But here are the numbers. Here's my numbers to back it up. And I got this from, I can't remember, some app on Instagram. Here are the stats. In the first four games for New Orleans, Adrian Peterson had 27 carries, 51 yards, and no touchdowns. Then in one game, in one game with the Arizona Cardinals, Adrian Peterson had 26 carries, 134 yards, and two rushing touchdowns. It's a massive difference. Now, the, the difference is their system. The way that Cardinals use their running back way better suits Adrian Peterson's play style. I don't know if it'll last. I don't know if Adrian Peterson can continue to bring this kind of production every week. He's an older guy. I mean, there's a lot of tread on these tires. This car has got like 300,000 miles on it. So I don't know if Adrian Peterson can keep it up. But it is overwhelmingly obvious. Adrian Peterson is a much better match in Arizona than he ever was in New Orleans. And that's exciting. I'm excited. I like Adrian Peterson. I had a poster of him on my wall growing up. I like the guy. So I don't know if he can continue his success he had last week. But if he can, uh, that'd be really cool. And he's a much better fit in Arizona. He, he fits their offensive system way better. I'm going to take a short break. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Coming up next, I want to talk about coach movement. You know, Jim Harbaugh, Michigan. Mike Leach at my favorite school, Washington State University. And you know who Matt Rule is? He's a coach at Baylor. I'm, I'm not for calling for people's jobs, but this guy's, uh, he's got to go. Uh, I'll be right back. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. I, I really want to grow this even more. You know, it is growing, and it's really fun to have you know, new people commenting and new people sending me stuff. I like this, or I disagree with this. It's really fun. But I'm, I'm posting the show now Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That's the goal. And the goal is to get a show out by 5 o'clock every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So tell your friends about the show. I want to keep growing the audience. We're going to talk a lot about coach movement today in this, in this next middle segment. Um, I want to start with Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh lost a game to Michigan State last weekend, and, and everyone freaked out. They said people were calling for his job. 
People were saying Jim Harbaugh has to be fired. Jim Harbaugh's done. He never wins big games. First of all, what are you talking about? And then second of all, thank good, like thank you God that college football fans are irrational. Because if college football fans weren't irrational, I would have nothing to talk about. It, it's, it's unbelievable to me that people still don't get this part of coaching. Here is how good Jim Harbaugh has been. In his first season at Michigan, Jim Harbaugh went 10-3. and three. 10 wins and 3 losses. In his second season, he also went 10-3. and three. So he's had two back-to-back 10-win seasons with Michigan, which was a dumpster fire before he got there. Brady Hoke ran them into the ground. And, and Jim Harbaugh steps in and built Rome in a day. It was unbelievable. It's like, you, you know that saying, you can't roll, build Rome in a day. Uh, Jim Harbaugh did that. That's what he did in Michigan. For context, to help you understand how magnificent this situation is, how, to, to help you understand how well Jim Harbaugh has done at Michigan, here's context. Mike Leach is a, is a big name right now. He's being thrown around college football that, you know, maybe Mike Leach, again, the coach at my favorite school, Washington State, where's he going to go next? Is he going to go to an SEC school? Is he going to get a bigger job at, like, I, I don't know what's better, but I'm sure there's a better school because I'm biased. Um, but here's how long it took Mike Leach to win. Mike Leach, for the, his first three seasons, went 3-9, and 6-6, six and six, and again 3-9. and nine. In Jim Harbaugh's first season, he won 10 games. It wasn't until Mike Leach's fourth season at Washington State University that he went 9-4. and four. He had a breakout season in year four. Oh, but, but what Harbaugh is doing is, un, it's, it's, we can't accept that. He built Rome in a day. That's unbelievable. Why does no one, why does no one get this? Jim Harbaugh hasn't even had a quarterback yet. So here's one of the things about that is working well for Mike Leach. Now, four, you know, I think five years in, I don't know how many years in, this many years in, Mike Leach finally has his recruits. So what I mean is when you recruit, you come in, you step in, and you recruit 18-year-olds to come play for your football team. Well, four years later, those 18-year-old kids are adults. They're, they're 22. They're seniors in college. They're fully developed. And they're the guys you recruited to fit your system. So Mike Leach has his guys he recruited to run his offensive system. And they're fully mature. So when you get your own recruits, you are more likely to win. Jim Harbaugh doesn't have his recruits yet. Jim Harbaugh doesn't have his guys developed. He's still winning with Brady Hoke's players. Jim Harbaugh still hasn't had a quarterback yet. Not once. And yet, without a quarterback... Jim Harbaugh has gone 10-3 and three in back-to-back seasons. Two bowl games, one bowl win, and you want to fire the guy? You have the audacity to say, I want to fire Jim Harbaugh. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Appreciate what you have, because if he leaves, Michigan is back to being nothing. Jim Harbaugh has done everything to elevate Michigan, and nobody appreciates him. Drives me nuts. It just drives me nuts. Can we please relax? I, I know I'm yelling, I'm like freaking out, but can we please slow down? Jim Harbaugh has a guy named Dylan McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey, you know that NFL player that's kicking ass? Pardon my language. Chris, Christian McCaffrey's little brother, Dylan, is a backup quarterback on Jim Harbaugh's football team. He's a year younger than me. Uh, year, year, year younger, two years, I'm not sure. 
but he's up and coming. He's the next wave. I think he's a freshman right now, actually. He is the next wave of Michigan quarterbacks. Can we just wait and see what happens? With First of all, of course I believe in Jim Harbaugh. He turns every football team he ever works with around. But let's wait and see. Let's let the quarterback he recruited that actually seems like he's really good, Dylan McCaffrey, let's let him get Dylan McCaffrey in his system before we judge and want to fire the guy. Maybe Dylan McCaffrey sucks. I I could be wrong. He's a skinny guy. Maybe he doesn't have it. But I think Dylan McCaffrey has it. And if Dylan McCaffrey and Jim Harbaugh get together and he develops, of course they're going to win a ton of games. And no one will ever question whether Jim Harbaugh should be the coach at Michigan ever again. Appreciate what you have before it is gone. My favorite coach in all of college football is a guy named Mike Leach. I love him. He's, his interviews are hilarious. Uh, I, like his, I think he's really football savvy. He knows the game really well. Mike Leach is also the coach at my favorite school, Washington State University. I, I'm biased 100%. I don't even pretend to d- deny that. Uh, well, even before... So what happened this last weekend was... The athletic director for Washington State left. He took the Nebraska athletic director job and said, bye, WSU, I'm I'm gone. And even before we learned about that news, we were already speculating, uh, where's Mike Leach going to go? The SEC, the Big 12, the ACC, where's where's he going to, he's going to go to a better school, right? Where's he going to go? So my opinion is, and again, I'm biased, of course I don't want my coach to leave, but I don't think he should leave. I really do not think that Mike Leach, and I'm trying to look at this, I think I'm pretty good at removing my emotion from things and just telling you how I think what I think it is. I don't think Mike Leach works as well anywhere else. Uh, for, for many reasons. First of all, he should appreciate where he is. So he has, he's finally getting, I said this in the last segment, he's finally getting his recruits. The guy he's recruited for his system are now coming to WSU. It took a long time to get credibility and say, hey, WSU's a legit program. You good recruits, Come play at WCU, but he's finally doing that. He has a really good quarterback coming in next year. Uh, Cameron, uh, Cameron something. Something came. I don't, I don't know. But he's finally getting good recruits. I think he should not bail on the momentum he's already made. But as much as I love Mike Leach, I really don't think Mike Leach would work as well as he does anywhere else. I think the, Mike Leach's personality is best suited for a school like Washington State. Again, I'm clearly biased. But, but where's Mike Leach going to go? That, that's the next question. Everyone's saying, you know, I don't know. I don't, maybe like a USC job. I don't think you know, USC's job isn't up anywhere anytime soon. Uh, maybe the Texas job is, but Texas job isn't up. So the, the thought is he's probably going to the SEC. That's what all the articles I'm reading, all the, the comments, all the commentary about Mike Leach are saying Mike Leach will go to the SEC. And I do not think Mike Leach would work in the SEC. Here's why. For many reasons. First of all, there's not a lot of patience in the SEC. It took Mike Leach his, until his fourth season to have a winning season in a Washington State University for their football team. It took the guy four years to go nine and four. His first three seasons at Washington State were three and six, uh, sorry, three and nine, six and six, and again three and nine. So until his, it took him four years to really hit his stride and get his big breaks, breakout season. There's not a lot of patience in the SEC. He wouldn't work. And Mike Leach is a weird guy. I, I would say that to his face. I, I'm weird too. You know, now that you mentioned it, my favorite movie is, not that you did, but I did, La La Land. I'm sure no one would ever think my favorite movie is La La Land. 
but I'm a weirdo. I admit it. I'm a weird guy. I like to write podcasts and record videos and make super, super long Instagram stories. I'm a weird guy. And I would tell Mike Leach, hey, you're a weird guy too. You do weird things. Um, I, I don't think he would work in the SEC media where they, they scrutinize everything you say and they rip him apart because Mike Leach's interviews, God, they are so fascinating. They're fun. He's outspoken. But I think you see that the same thing he says up here down in Arkansas, it's not going to be received the same way. It's not going to be received nearly as well at, at Louisiana versus in the Pacific Northwest in Washington. I do not think Mike Leach would work in the SEC. I don't think his system would work. I don't think uh, I don't think the athletes would work because his his system is a spread system. Every team in the SEC is a ground and pound. And are you going to tell me you're going to take LSU's athletes and transition them into a offense like your spread air raid offense? You know how long that is going to take recruiting wise. That wouldn't work. Here's another example of that. I want to talk about Matt Rule, the coach at Baylor University. Again, again, staying with the theme of coach movement, I do not believe in calling for people's jobs. I really do not. You know, my dad lost his job when I was in high school, middle school. It, regardless, it was awful. It was it was it really sucked. We went to Disneyland once. No, that never happened ever again. It, it was not fun when my dad lost his job. We had to move schools. We did all kinds of stuff. It just it just wasn't fun. It wasn't a good experience, and I would not wish that on anybody else. So I'm not in the business of calling for people's jobs. I don't believe in that. But I don't think I have to call for Matt Rule's job. I think Matt Rule's doing just fine on his own. I think it's very likely he gets fired at the end of this year. Baylor is 0-6. With losses to Liberty. Do you know what Liberty is? I don't know what Liberty is. I've never heard of that school. So Baylor lost to Liberty and University of Texas, San Antonio. Again, you probably didn't know that school had football. You've probably never even heard of UTSA. I believe in patience. Look at Mike Leach. Mike Leach is a perfect example. You have to be patient. You have to listen to, you you have to wait for people to develop. It takes a while to build a good football program. Jim Harbaugh is an anomaly. That'll never happen. Maybe it'll happen again someday, but that's an anomaly. That's like landing on the moon. That's incredible. Mike Leach is the norm. It takes a while to build a program to steadily gain recruits and change your offense and change your system. And while I would normally say, give Matt Rule a chance. Matt Rule is the head coach at Baylor University. Normally I would say, give the guy a chance. Let him build his recruiting base. Let him... I don't think it's going to work at Baylor. I really don't. For, for many reasons. Well, first of all, Matt, Matt Rule has a completely different offensive system than what Baylor has ever ran. So all the guys that have been recruited previously to Baylor were built for the spread system that Art Bryles ran. They ran a spread... Uh, Shotgun offense. Well, now he wants to run a more NFL-style, pro-style system, under center, running the ball, ground and pound, play action, which means you fake the run and you throw a pass. That's not what Baylor does. That's not what Baylor is built to do. So it's already gonna, he already has that against him. It's going to take a long time to change the recruiting culture at Baylor. Patience. Again, normally I support Patience. But Matt Rule's offensive schemes are terrible. They are absolutely horrendous. Again, I'm all for patience if what you're building towards is a good idea. Your idea that you're building towards is absolutely terrible. Matt Rule's system doesn't work. Let me, I'm going to get technical for a second. I'm going to break it down as best I can, but I'm going to explain a scenario that I saw 
And it, this is just one of many scenarios where it's like, what in the world are you doing? That's a horrible call, a bad decision. You should never call that play in that scenario. And, and this happens so many times. But here's, here's one example I wrote down in my notes. I'm going to break it down. And I'm going to explain it fully in depth. So a couple, I think week one, Baylor was losing to Liberty, a school I've never heard of and didn't know how to football. But you're losing to Liberty and it's fourth and two. You're on, you're on the right hash, which means that here's the field. You're on this part of the field. You're, you're all the way to the right side of the field, as far to the right as possible, which means the right side of the field is way smaller. So you're like, whoop. You're on the right side of the field. The right side of the field is way smaller than the left side of the field. There's a big open space on the left, a cramped compact space on the right. Matt Rule calls a bootleg to the right. So you, you, you fake the run. And you have a quarterback run to the right side where there's less space. And you run two receivers vert- two receivers at all. There's only two receivers the quarterback can throw to on fourth and two. One of those receivers goes to the flat, which means he goes, he kind of gets in front of the quarterback and, and holds up his hands. Well, the defense is smart. They're not stupid. They take that away. So that guy's totally not, he's out of the play. He's not open at all. And the other receiver, there's two receivers on this play. The other receiver completely runs out of the play. He takes himself out of the play. He runs deep and not even anywhere you can throw to him the ball. So he has got only two receivers on this play. One's covered by like three guys. The other one's not even, you can't even throw him the ball. It's not possible. And because you're on the right hash and you roll the quarterback to the right, he has no room to run because there's like 10 guys, there's, there's like six guys. You're running to the small side of the field with no one to throw to. It was just like the dumbest, worst play call you could ever call. He, he, he took the quarterback to a cramped area and gave him no one to throw to. You're setting, up, you're setting your guy up to fail when you call a play like that. And I saw these plays over and over and over again where it's like, dude, what are you doing? That, regardless of how big and strong, if you're, I don't care if you're LSU or Alabama, that will not work schematically. That's a bad system you're running. That will not work. That is why Matt Rule will not be the coach for very long at Baylor. Not because he's changing the whole offense. Not because he's, I don't know anything about the guy, but his schematic system is horrendous. It's going to take way too long to change their recruiting style anyways. And even if he did, it wouldn't work because his schematics are awful. I don't know how long Matt Rule is going to last at Baylor. I'm going to take another short break. When I return, uh, we'll talk about the final couple segments there's a, so I want to talk a lot about college football rankings next. There's so many things to say. And then the U.S. men's national team. Yes, I'm going to talk about soccer. Yes, I feel weird about it, but I am going to talk about soccer. I don't like that I'm going to talk about soccer, but I'm going to talk about soccer. That's next. My name is Zach Schalmer. This is Strong Opinion Sports. I'll be right back. I got an update on my phone today. I was... I was kind of shocked surprised just bewildered I didn't know what to expect I was like really seriously Teddy Bridgewater the Vikings quarterback um, apparently he's cleared to go back to practice which I don't know if you remember he broke his leg like a year and a half ago and you're like oh god he's not only out this season but he might be out two seasons well apparently Teddy Bridgewater is like good to go not not to play games but good enough to practice which is a a huge deal for the Minnesota Vikings a because they kind of found Matt you know Sam Bradford is not horrendous for them. He's not, I don't know if he's their franchise quarterback, but he seems like their guy. I'm just very curious about that situation. What does that mean? Does that mean Sam Bradford's gone? 
Does that mean that Teddy Bridgewater is going to take his job? Can he take his job? Is he good enough? Is he healthy enough? Uh, I have so many questions, and I just want to I want to point out, keep your eye on the Minnesota Viking quarterback situation. I don't know what's going to happen, but Teddy Bridgewater, the guy who got injured about two years ago now, looks like he's coming back to play, and that's fascinating. That's incredibly fascinating. Hey, tell your friends about the show. I want to grow the audience. I want to keep growing. If everyone listening told one of their friends every episode, just told one of their friends about the show and got them to listen, we would exponentially grow. We would explode. I think I, do, I, think I make a great podcast. I, I might be wrong, but you're listening. What do you think? If you like it, please tell your friends about the show. I want to grow. I love it. It's my favorite thing. and I really want to turn this into more than what it is now. Here are, you know, a couple weeks ago, I ranked, was it last week, two weeks ago? I recently ranked the college football power five conferences. And this is what I came up with. I said the best conference in college football, hands down, and I still stand by this. I stand by these rankings. The best conference in college football is the Big Ten. The second best college football conference is the ACC. And the third best conference is the SEC, followed by the Pac-12 at fourth. And the Big 12 is the worst conference in college football. Again, Big Ten, ACC, then the SEC, then the Pac-12, then the Big 12. (coughs) Man, I stand by this 100%. Even after Clemson lost, even after Michigan lost, the Big Ten is the best conference in college football. And what's interesting to me, though, I did get feedback. They're like, you're crazy. The Big Ten isn't the best. But the one bit of feedback I got that kind of surprised me and, and that was clearly the most prevalent. This is, my opinion on this pissed people off the most. Everyone said, why is the Pac-12 fourth? Why isn't the Pac-12 higher? The Pac-12 is really good this year. Why did you rank the Pac-12 four out of five? Fifth, four out of five? Why are they the second lowest team on your list? Well, the Pac-12 is not competitive nationally. Who lost? Who, who has one loss? USC. WSU. And guess what? Even Washington lost this week. And don't forget, USC almost lost to Texas. Texas, if Texas had Sam Darnold on their team, Sam Darnold and Texas would have annihilated USC. USC is overrated. And they lost to Washington State, who's also overrated. The only team that's any good in the Pac-12 is UW. And UW had a horrible game last week, and they lost to, the other day lost to Arizona State. Pac-12 is not as good as everybody seems to believe. It drives me nuts. WSU hasn't beaten anybody tough out of conference. I don't care what you say about Boise State. Everyone hates that I think Boise State isn't very good. Prove it. Prove to me that Boise State is good. They beat San Diego. I'm supposed to be impressed. Yes, San Diego State was overranked and overrated, and Boise State beat them. Great. Great. I want more evidence. When Peterson left Boise State, I was like, well, until Boise State proves that they're the same national power, I'm out. I, I sold all my stock on Boise State. I don't believe in them anymore. UW and WSU have not beaten anybody. Rutgers? Washington has beaten Rutgers. Whoa. Well, slow down. I'm not impressed by that. Not at all. So WSU will never play that. Washington State will never play that poorly ever again. They'll probably go 10. They will go 10 and 2. That's what I'm predicting. That's what I think will happen. But the Big Ten, the ACC, the Big 12, they will all get the nod over a one-loss Pac-12 team. Only, 
Oklahoma. So what I mean by that is Oklahoma is the only team from the Big 12 that can make the college football playoff. I didn't say Oklahoma State. I don't believe in Oklahoma State. On, on November 11th, Oklahoma plays TCU. November 11th, Oklahoma, TCU. That's a huge game. I'm so excited Baker Mayfield and, and Oklahoma are back in the running. They have a chance now. Because a one-loss Oklahoma team would make the college football playoff. A team that beat Ohio State. And also, a one-loss Big Ten team. I don't care who it is in the Big Ten. A one-loss Big Ten team would also make the college football playoff. There are 14 teams left with one loss in the top 25. They're only, they're, they're four, that's a lot of teams. There's 14 of them. I only count six. I only count six teams with one loss in the top 25 that can make the college football playoff. You want to hear them? Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, USC, UW, Washington, and Michigan. When I said UW, I meant Washington. Same thing. What I didn't say is Oklahoma State. I didn't say eventually what will be TCU. Eventually, Wisconsin will have a loss. Eventually, Georgia will have a loss. Washington State has a loss. Washington State can't make it. I'm sorry. That's reality. That's not, that's not an opinion. I don't think. I think that's reality. The only six teams that can make it with one loss currently are Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, USC, Washington, and Michigan. That is because... Again, a one-loss team. So, what's can we pause? What's the top twenty? What's the top five? The top five right now is Alabama, Penn State, Georgia, TCU, and Wisconsin. That's two Big Ten teams and two SEC teams. So they're eventually going to play each other, and eventually one of them is going to get another loss. It's going to get a loss. So Georgia and Wisconsin, they won't finish in the top five. I don't care. Wisconsin doesn't have a good enough. They have a good quarterback, not a good enough quarterback, to stay in the top five. And Georgia's going to lose to Alabama. I love them. I'm a big believer of Georgia, actually. I think they're phenomenal. But ultimately, they're going to lose to Alabama in the SEC championship. And then they're out. They're not going to make the college football. There's no way in God's forsaken earth that two SEC teams will make the college football playoff. If that happens, I'd be kind of outraged. I'd be angry and I'd be shocked. Unless, maybe, I don't don't know. I just don't think it happens. Unless, Unless Georgia loses by like a safety and they blow at everybody else they play the rest of the year, everyone else is going to get a chance. So there won't be an undefeated team in the Big Ten. I, I know Penn State's undefeated currently. I know Wisconsin undefeated undefeated currently, but they are the best conference in college football. What that means is they're going to beat each other up. Penn State won't finish undefeated. Ohio State obviously isn't undefeated. Wisconsin won't be undefeated. Michigan has a loss. They're just going to beat each other up. And whatever team survives at the end, Whatever team makes it out of the Big Ten Championship game, that team will be in the... I can guarantee you, I promise you, whoever wins the Big Ten will be in the college football playoff, and they have a chance to win it all. The Big Ten is way better than everybody's giving them credit for. Now, I don't don't really... I shouldn't say that. I don't actually believe anyone can beat Alabama, um, but man, that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Clemson's still alive. Remember last year, Clemson lost a game, and they still made it to the national championship. USC and UW, they're going to play in the Pac-12 championship. And I think that a, a one-loss Oklahoma team, which has a much tougher schedule than a one-loss Washington team, 
One loss Washington and one loss Oklahoma. If we had to decide between the two, Oklahoma makes it into the playoff. UW or Washington does not. Because Washington's non-conference schedule is non-existent. They play Rutgers. That's their best game. UW has an easy schedule. That kind of hurts them this year because there's a stiff competition. There's a Big Ten school. There's Clemson. If Clemson can figure out their quarterback, maybe Clemson will be out. If their quarterback play sucks, Clemson's done for the year anyways. But if Clemson can figure out the quarterback and, and finish with one loss, win the ACC, they're in. So we could have Alabama, whoever wins the Big Ten, probably Penn State, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Pac-12 could he be completely left out altogether. I thought Washington was going to go undefeated, and Washington choked. But now that they have one loss, that's a big blemish, and it's not a good-looking one. God, I'm a nerd. I love college football. You know, I'm, I am, so, I'm so thankful. Like, I just love college football. And this year is like the fact that I can say all of that, and I don't. I legitimately don't know who's going to make it. It's not like it's not like the NBA where you're like, okay, the Warriors and the Cavs, chalk that up. That's going to be the championship game. I can't wait for like summer. <laughs> no, it's been fun all year because it's every week. There's like everybody has a chance. There's parody. It's fun. I just love this. I love college football. I love what's going on. I love talking about it. It's so exciting. It's so interesting. Just thank you. Thank you so much, God, for this amazing college football season. I'm saying God a lot. I don't even... Ah, I don't want to talk about God anymore. Soccer. I know. I know I'm doing it. I'm talking about soccer. The U.S. men's national team did not make it into the World Cup. In fact, they lost to a country I didn't even know existed. (laughs) Trinidad and Tobago. Trinidad and Tobago beat the U.S. men's national team and knocked us out of contention for being in the World Cup. And frankly, I do not care one bit. I don't care. I don't care if we won. I don't care if we lost. I'm kind of sad because I won't be able to get drunk with my friends and watch the World Cup. Well, I, I still will, but it won't be the same because I can't be USA, USA. Uh, but honestly, I don't care. And I think it's really funny that two weeks ago, nobody, nobody was talking about the U.S. men's national team. And then that guy, Taylor, whatever, the, the guy who played formerly, he had a, I want to give him a standing ovation. That guy had an amazing, amazing broadcasting move. He said some amazing stuff. He moved everybody. He convinced everybody, I have to talk about soccer. Um, but the truth is, nobody really, nobody cared. Until they lost, no one said anything. And I just think it's weird. I want to point out the weirdness of that. That it's, it's like saying, God, I'm so mad. UW lost. Well, you didn't say one bit about UW for 10 weeks. Why do you suddenly care? Just pointing out the, the weirdness of that. However, I agree with the outrage. I think it's the right move. See, my, my dream job, one of them, if I don't start my own company, my, one of my dream jobs is to be a broadcaster in Boston. You know why I love Boston? Boston lets you speak freely, and Boston lets you challenge and call out the local teams. Here, I, I criticize my favorite team, Washington State, very heavily. I say the receivers suck. I say that, you know, I don't think they've played anyone tough. I've been very critical, and often I've, I think I've been right, but it makes people mad. They say, you're not a fan you're, a, you're critical. You're way too critical of the team. I think I can be a fan of Washington State University and say, hey, they're doing the wrong thing, or this sucks, or they need to do better here. I'm critical because I love them. I'm critical because I want the best out of Washington State. I've said this many times. My best friends 
are people that challenge me. They say, Zach, you're wrong. Or Zach, that's not the right move. Or Zach, you're being a, a mean, you're being mean. Stop, relax. You need people to challenge you and push you. So I want to work in Boston someday. That'd be awesome. I can say, hey, the Red Sox suck. They need to fire their manager. And, and the people won't be, you're not a real fan. You're awful. You're just a hater. And they'll be like, yeah, we agree with you. Because in Boston, there's a culture that says, we're okay with being critical. I love that culture. I think that's fun. I want to work in that someday. Because I really hate getting called a hater. When I have a bazillion WSU hats, I have a flag. I, I love this team. And people always say, you're a hater. But the reason I, I, I get called a hater of WSU is because I make them take accountability for their actions, for their losses, for their mistakes, for the fact that we don't have a punter. Are you kidding me? Accountability. It's very important. If we want the U.S. men's national team culture to change, if we want soccer in America, to, if you want the culture of soccer in America to change, we need to be critical of it. We need to say, I don't want it to be like this. I don't like this. I want better from the U.S. soccer team. So, yeah, I don't give a crap. I don't care about soccer. It's, it just doesn't interest me. I'm sorry. I wish I did. I, I like the Premier League. It's really fun, actually. Way better than the MLS. I can watch the Premier League and go, these guys are really good. I watch MLS. I'm like, you're not. You're not very good. I know that because I watch the Premier League and they can actually score. And it, it's just, it's, it's, I don't know enough about soccer to, to comment on it, but wow, the Premier League is good. So I don't care about soccer, but I know this. If you want something to change or if you want something to grow and get better, at some point you have to recognize the problem and say, I want to fix the problem. I know people, I, I worked at a, a homeless shelter and I worked with people who were recovering drug addicts. And the first thing they had to do is say, what do they say? Make you say an alcohol anonymous. My name is Zach and I'm an alcoholic. You have to own your issue. You have to be aware of the issue. Well, now everybody's well aware the issue in U.S. men's soccer is, I, I don't know. I, I don't have the answer to that, but there's clearly an issue. And we have to, if we want better from them, we have to demand better from U.S. men's soccer. Demand more from the culture. Just like an AA meeting. Hey, I'm U.S. men's soccer and I have an issue. I suck at soccer. Awareness is the first step of solving any issue. So while I don't agree with I don't care. I think it's the right move. I think being critical is very important. And if you want more from them, be critical of them. My name is Zach Schaumler. That is my show for today. Thank you so very much for listening. I love doing this. I, I clearly am passionate. I just enjoy, I enjoy, I enjoy talking. I enjoy telling stories. Tell your friends about this show. I so desperately want to grow strong opinion sports. Yeah, we're growing, but not as fast as I would like. And I would, I would just, man. I want to, I want to share the message. I love talking. I want to, I just, I just want more. And uh, I hope I don't sound like I'm peddling. I, I feel kind of weird now. I feel like I'm giving you a sales pitch. I don't like that at all. Um, but man, if you like this show, please tell your friends. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day, everybody. My name is Zach Shalom. This has been Strong Opinion Sports. Have a good one.